Aloha, and welcome to another podcast with Learning Without Scars. Today, we're joined by Caroline Slipoulos, and we're going to have another lessons learned discussion relating to education and teaching. Today, the subject we're going to broach is mentorship, having mentors in your life to help you in your pathway to learning and your pathway to realizing and achieving your potential. Caroline, good to have you with us. Good to be here. So that's a rather large subject, mentorship. And I'm I'm going to start it on the basis that in school, we have teachers who are our mentors. In business, We have what we call supervisors, foremen, managers, executives. They're our mentors. But the leadership in a business is not specifically trained in mentoring like a teacher is. What what do you think the characteristics, qualities are that would allow somebody to be a good mentor? for somebody else openness to the ideas the skills the insecurities of the person being mentored teachers are trained in mentorship but i am not a mentor to every student who walks into my classroom my personality just doesn't work for some of them we don't necessarily mesh well They can be highly successful students. They can do well in my class. They can enjoy what they're doing, but I'm not their person in that way that another teacher might be because we are all different. And this puts a huge amount of pressure on the leader in a company, the manager, the supervisor, because just as with teachers, that manager, supervisor, leader won't necessarily be that person for every staff member who comes into that door. but. A mentor gives guidance, not just hard and fast training programs where somebody's learning a new job and they need someone to show them the ropes. Mentorship goes beyond that. Guidance is that feedback when the day has just been rough. Sure, technically you did everything you were supposed to do. Everything went the way it was supposed to go, but something felt off. Who do you talk to about that? You don't go to your boss unless your boss is also your mentor. And what about the fact that, okay, I understand how this works now. I understand the way we are doing this, but I don't understand why that's the way. That's where a mentor comes in. And for a student in a classroom, Sometimes it's just a matter of the discipline they're being taught. Some students are, shock and horror, math people. And for an English teacher, that's not going to be my area of strength. I can provide you with resources. I can show you things that might help you. I can guide you to help yourself. But I won't be the one who's able to take you through the whole process. Now, a math teacher might be or a teacher will have a tutor available to start opening doors to you. And it's not just when there's a struggle. When you're exceptionally talented, the same thing happens. 
you need someone who can guide you to make use of those skills and talents you have that aren't necessarily satisfied in the course of the regular day, in the course of the regular tasks. And we, just as with learning and looking at potential, I really feel that with the end of, well, not the end, but the limits of traditional apprenticeship programs, we've lost sight of mentorship in employment. We definitely have on-the-job training for food servers, for bartenders, for forklift operators, for shelf stockers. There's training when you come on, whether it's two days, two weeks, depending on the company. But the mentorship, who do you keep growing with as you're there? Who's invested in your success as a whole person? Just like the whole student theory of the 1980s. And that's a gap I think we're going to see ourselves needing to fill. And that might come in with those employees who are reaching the what comes next level. Can they become mentors? Not just trainers, mentors. Can they onboard the new staff, the people who've just come in from trade school or university or straight out of high school? Can they show them, here's where this becomes a career for you. Here are the things you can do to further your expertise, your knowledge, to hone your talents. It's interesting that you use the term onboarding. That to me, companies that have put onboarding programs in place have recognized and acknowledged that something needs to be done for a new employee when they arrive the first day. I still remember the first day on my first job, which was working with delinquent kids, where I was given a house that had 12 boys in it, all of them there, but one had been arrested and sentenced eight of whom were murderers, three were armed robbers, and one was youth protection. He had been taken away from his family because there he had one was a prostitute and the other was a, a, a drug pusher. And I was brought to the house and introduced to the boys, and that was it. And I'm a mathematics and physics major, and I'm all of a sudden a custodian of a building with 12 young adults in it. No, and consider no the range you just described. Pardon? Consider the range you just described. Oh, I know. Murderers and someone who had been taken into protective custody because home was no longer safe for him. I right. mean, that that's such a, I can't even imagine the level of onboarding you should have had. Okay, so let me go forward. Again, personal experience. My grandmother my parents both worked. My mother was a teacher. My father was an engineering clerk, a technician. And so my grandmother was the one that raised me for the first roughly four years of my life. My sister, the same type of circumstance. Well, my grandmother had to deal with my sister when she started running around. I was three. So the answer for her was to send me off to kindergarten. Now, she was a teacher, had been involved in education her whole life. So she convinced the school 
to let me go to kindergarten one year early. In fact, it was closer to two, which is why I was so young all the way through my education. But I failed kindergarten. I repeated kindergarten. I call it failed. They, they had me repeat it because of my age. It wasn't because I wasn't skilled. So that onboarding was interesting. Then I come to work and I, I get assigned a task for a contract for one year in fixing a computer system and how it managed parts inventory. And the senior consultant of the firm that convinced the dealership to buy this particular package, his name was David Steele, <clears throat> spent one day a week with me, eight hours a week, teaching me, talking with me, walking me through um, what this was, how it worked, why it worked, all the rest of that nonsense. I couldn't script that kind of training, onboarding, mentoring. And about four months later, I was down at Caterpillar. It was a Caterpillar dealer I started with. And I was down at Caterpillar and I ran into two gentlemen. One's name was Larry Noy. And the other guy's name was Bob Kirk, both of whom, for some strange reason, took my young uh, self into their wings and they mentored me, one in computers and the other in parts management. And Bob Kirk was kind of a legend in the parts world. And Larry Noe was one of the very first employees at Dealer Data Processing at Caterpillar. And he was a, a special person. So I was blessed with, in that particular evolution, uh, four people that were mentoring me. My grandmother, David Steele, Larry Noy, and Bob Kirk. Today, somebody comes into a dealership, and I don't know that that happens. And, and the other side of that is I don't know who's been trained to be a mentor. Because as you're indicating, some teachers are great in math. Some teachers are great in English. You can't be all things to all people. So here comes a, a person. Well, the old days walking around, here's the bathrooms. Here's where we have lunch. Here's the time. Here's where you park. Here's your desk. That's not a, enough. Here's your job. Here's how you progress. Here's who you work with. Here's who work, whose work you receive. Here's who receives the work you do. Here's how you fit into the whole process. I still don't think we do that well. I don't no. know how we change that. I tend Other than to acknowledging that we need to have people mentoring others. When I was still in the corporate world and I was working in personnel, I didn't have onboarding. In fact, I didn't even walk into this company for a job. I gave someone a ride to interview for a job. And it was very, very hot outside. So I didn't want to sit in the car with the air conditioning blasting. So I just sat in the little uh, lobby waiting room. And one of the employees came out and just started chatting with me. And how would you feel at the end of this chat waiting for my friend to finish interviewing? How would you feel about coming in and interviewing because we need someone in this? Well, that seemed like a promising sign to me. But once brought in, there was no training. In fact, I was responsible for training. So very quickly, 
I had to figure out who to call at the Department of Public Safety to say, how do I test people? How do I, what do they need for a license? What do I do? And I was lucky. Somebody was patient on the phone, walked me through everything, emailed me a bunch of documents so that I could read through it. And then my next joyous occasion was, now you're going to have to take them out to the range and teach them proficiency with a firearm. Now, I had fired guns, I had had some light classes, but I never, ever, ever would have looked at myself as someone who should be out there training people how to use the safety, how to, yes, that I can do, but geez, I'm taking a bunch of people out for target practice, and I'm pretty sure I'm not qualified, but I have a little license card that says I should be. Where's the onboarding there? A year into the job. Ownership decided we should give her a mentor. And it was the greatest relief to have that. Finally, somebody who had been there for 30 years, somebody who had trained people on firearms, on safety regulations, on best practices. But a year in. So for a year, it was what they called trial by fire. And I still see many businesses doing that. Why should it be a trial by fire? We hire people because we want them to bring a benefit, right? And if we want to succeed, trial by fire seems like the opposite of that. Just having somebody that you can talk with about the frustrations, the problems, the obstacles, that trial by fire thing where you picked up the phone and called around. Today, the excuse is we've got Google. You can just look it up on Google, see what you have to do. But it's it's it, it's really a, a very, very important job function. Imagine you're you've just finished technical school and you are hired at, at, at a dealership, automotive on highway, material handling, construction, mining, whatever. And you go into the shop. You got your own toolbox, you got your old tools that's required for you to bring them. That's a heck of an investment. And somebody's going to take you, they're either going to give you a bay or assign you to work with another technician. In the old days, you had somebody come in and they were, that one employee was shared between two senior technicians, what they call lovingly journeyman technicians. And it was using the low skilled person to leverage the high skills. In other words, the high skilled person didn't need to do the low skilled jobs because the apprentice did and those two older guys i'm assuming they're older um mentored coached taught the rookie that was really cool it worked really well it stopped it stopped because somebody along the way decided they're going to charge the same for a helper as they did for the journeyman when the mm-hmm. helper is only contributing at a level of perhaps 50% of the productivity level of the senior technician. And the marketplace made the determination, well, wait a second, you guys are too expensive. So they went somewhere else. That's the failure of mentorship not being implemented properly. So there's good news, bad news all the way down through all of these things, as in everything in life. 
but mentoring somebody has become more critical than at any other time at all. If you think about sports, athletics, use football as an example, use soccer, European football, or the rest of the world football. There's a farm club. There's a group of people that are waiting and there's training camp once a year and the rookies, you've got a hundred people going for 40 jobs. And you've got a guy who's been with me five years, 10 years, 15 years. He's been a, a star at his position, but every year there's somebody coming in there to challenge his job, to make sure that you're doing as good a job as conceivably possible. That's a different kind of mentoring, but it's still mentoring. It's telling that senior guy, you got to continue to perform, babe. As telling the young guy, I got a pass for you to replace him. And mentoring in technical terms, mechanics, reasonably straightforward. Office, not so much. Sales, yeah, we'll travel with a salesman. We'll listen. We'll try and grow it by breathing the same air. But unless you're going to a school by Don Buttrey, uh, in sales management, unless you're using some specific sales training programs, you're trial by fire. Here's your customers, go for it. And typically they're small customers. So if you make a mistake or you mess up, there's not a big penalty for anybody, the employee or the company. That's a very poor way of mentoring somebody I would submit. It's the same thing with coaching, Caroline. We need more people to coach other people on performance, on life skills. Um, mentoring is part of learning, isn't it? Mentoring is part of helping people achieve their potential. It's all part and parcel of the whole thing that we put learning together, learning without scars together with. It doesn't stop. At well, 50 years old, there should still be somebody mentoring you. There's gotta be an exit strategy. How do people go into retirement? It's everything's a transition, isn't it? I know one of the things that I really appreciate about what we do is it gives us that bird's eye view because students come through our assessments, our classes, because managers continually train and, and take new subject area courses. When there's somebody brand new who's brought on board and they come to us for an assessment to see where they are right at the beginning. And okay, so here's some classes they might need based on what they knew walking in the door. Because even the best trade school isn't going to teach every single thing you need to know to go work in a very specific shop. Every shop has their own way of doing things, their own culture, so to speak. And doing what we do, it gives us the opportunity to offer mentorship or to know who right there on the spot might be a great fit for it. So when you have that brand new employee, and there was one a few years ago, a new hire, and uh, he had an incorrect phone number for you. So he got me on the phone, and I'm an early riser, so it was about five in the morning or so here in California. And he was trying to uh, talk with you. And so I got him the relevant details so he could get you on your cell phone and stuff. But we've gotten to watch him go from being the new guy, so to speak, to being a manager. And he's still new enough 
that he remembers that new experience when I walk in the door. And he goes ahead and says, these guys need the assessment. They need the classes. What else can I do with them? What else can I do for them? And he sits down with them. He talks. He mentors them. He hasn't been asked to, but it's what he does. And so in our capacity here at Learning Without Scars, we know that about him. And we know when there's someone in that department or in that store in that region, have you maybe asked this person what you're struggling with? Because we can point them in a direction that will be helpful where we might not have had that on our own. Yeah, it's interesting as well to the generations. You know, the the greatest generation to the Silas generation, to the boomers, to the millennials, blah, blah, blah. Um, and everybody and the boomers and the older generation saying, these young people are so impatient. They don't want to work. They, you know, they just want to get in the corner office, make a lot of money. And I, I asked them, do you remember when you started? Do you remember what you thought of the people that were doing the job, the older people that were doing the job? And I had a guy that I worked with by the name of Ray Roberts, who followed me from Montreal to Edmonton to Denver before he retired. And we're having dinner one night, our wives and Ray and I, and, and we were talking about something relating to mentorship and working. And I said to Ray, I said, well, I wasn't that hard to work with, was I? And he started laughing almost to the point of wetting his pants. He said, you were impossible. Hmm. He said, it was unbelievable. There was nothing that we did that you didn't say, why you do it that way? Why do you do that? And so the young people come in now that I'm in my 70s and they they challenge their boss who's in their 50s or 60s. Say, why do we do it that way? And the boss shuts them down. Doesn't explain why. Doesn't engage in a discussion. They just shut them down. You, that's the way we do it around here. Shut up and do it. There's too much of that. And breaking out of that is everything that we're trying to do. And, and you know, our accreditation as, as a learning provider for the, as an education facility with ISIT has allowed us to become much more involved in people's lives insofar as our classes all earn CEUs, which apply as credits at universities, technical schools around the world. And we're the only ones in the industry that have that accreditation. And there's certifications and associations, different manufacturers. None of them are real. They're, they're certified for that particular group. We have a much bigger responsibility. And as a result of that, our influence on mentorship, I think, is greater. With good mentors, employees will blossom and flourish and reach their potential. Without good mentors, they're going to leave. I mean, it's no, and it's very hard to find talented employees today. What have we I'm missed all, on mentorship? Well, I would I would add one more thing to the, man, these young people are so impatient. Yes, they're impatient, but that doesn't mean they want to cut corners. Yeah, good point. They want to achieve. So there's really an opportunity with that impatience. But we all have to go back to openness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not the only one that walks around. You're not privy to all of the 
information on the planet. You don't walk around with every, all the infinite knowledge. You have to learn from others. You have to share. You have to be open. And then that takes us to the next part of, you know, there's a, a group of people that will not share their knowledge. I'm not going to share that with you. You'll know more than I do at that point. I tease people. You know, I'm not going to tell you. Then you'll be smarter than me and I'm done. But we need people that can transfer their knowledge, their information, their experience to others as part of their job, as part of their life. I think we beat up mentorship pretty well, don't you? I agree. So with that, let's close off this lesson learned. Thank you, Caroline, for contributing and being a party to this discussion. And thank all of you for listening to this podcast. I look forward to having you with us on another lesson learned in the near future. Mahalo. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.